Hey everyone, Chris here. We would like to take a small moment to thank every person who has liked, reviewed, followed us, and otherwise supported us. We could not have done this without you. Particularly, I wanted to thank our first two patrons. So, special shout out to Angst Zombie and Alex Peltier. You guys are a welcome light in the darkness. Thanks to you, we can eat. Oh, and as a heads up, this episode has some major content warnings. Feelings of isolation, body horror, and unsettling textures. Seriously. That said, please, enjoy the show. Donahue, where, where did you bring us? I literally just told you. Home. This place is huge! I thought you said this was a hamlet! It's one of the smaller properties. However, it is the closest one to the office. Well, most days. This is your home, Donahue? It's nearly a mansion. Oh, please. It's barely a manor. This one doesn't even have any staff. Clear Minds does not pay this much. Generational wealth is a thing, Charles. And we couldn't pick up tacos. I didn't say I couldn't afford it. I asked if you had taco money. I could do tacos. I'll order you some delivery, Eli. I don't want tacos. But first, shall we head inside? <sighs> is that the last of them? <sighs> I think so. It is. Thank you, H. Gray. Um, Donahue, is there a room we could store these? I don't like just having them inside the door. I'm sure we could find one, yes. So, about those tacos. Ah, right, of course. I'll tell you what, I'll order us food. In the meantime, why don't you all explore? Pick out rooms, get a lay of the land and such. Rooms? I don't mean to presume, but I figured it would be easier if everyone stayed here. At least until we come up with a plan. Getting around the city can be challenging at times. I didn't think of that. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, I... Not at all, Charles. Awesome! I've never stayed the night anywhere else before. Well, I guess the office, but usually that was by accident because Dad would lose track of time. Anything we need to know? Need to know? Oh, no. I don't have any hidden infinite halls or monsters locked away, if that's what you're asking. Nothing of the strange nature has happened in this house in quite some time. Uh, when and what happened? I was a child. Perhaps Eli's age, but no matter, that's a story for another time. Go! Explore! Have fun! I'll get us something to eat. Everyone okay with today? Oh. How strange. My recorder's on. When did this... Ah. No matter. I'll just turn... Dr. Charles Talbot recording for personal records. It is August 21st, 2022. Despite today being long, there's still plenty of daylight left, which isn't a bad thing, really. Also, I suppose that's the nature of the city. Maybe. I don't know. Still trying to adjust, I guess. Donahue's home is surprising, to say in the least. This time, I'm surprised in a good way. The outside of this manor was impressive when we pulled up. A massive wraparound balcony encircles the entire second and third floors, Sloped exterior staircases arch upward to meet them. Thick pillars are uniformly built into the structure. I would guess Greek influence. 
Of course, large windows are on display, second only to a stone statue featured in the middle of the driveway. Which, to be clear, the driveway is circular. I have no idea who the statue is of. A well-dressed man, a distant relative of Donahue's, I would reason. All of this pales in comparison to the interior. More precisely, the facilities. So far, I've encountered three separate studies, an indoor and outdoor swimming pool, a home gym, a massive kitchen with far too many stoves, and a large empty but extravagant room. Some sort of room for parties, perhaps. The manor's layout flows nicely. No room feels out of place or has an odd juxtaposition to another. That said, the manor seems bigger than what the outside would suggest. Oh, uh, I should be very clear here. Not in a way that raises any flags, just in the normal way. High ceilings and clever use of space. Hmm. I'm going to continue to explore. I'll add more notes on my findings when relevant. Talbot is currently combing his way through the first floor. Eli, of course, went straight to the third, no doubt picking out his favorite room. Either of them could have been a distraction, so... I'm on the second. I'll search the other floors later. The entire place so far screams Donahue. Wide open spaces. Light blues, whites, and grays decorate the walls. Everything has a modern feel to it, from the glass art pieces down to the gold accents and the updated furniture. Large windows provide plenty of natural light. Even though there isn't a plant to be seen on the inside of the manor, it still manages to feel lively. Despite this, however, when I look closely, I can see where the old bleeds through. Subtle yet distinct carvings on pillars, decorative crown moldings, and small scuffs on wood floorings. The only part that Donahue hasn't tried to repaint, redecorate, or otherwise cover up is a large mural of sorts. The mural rests on the wall opposite of a small viewing hallway on the second floor. It's right above the front entryway. It's an odd placing, considering that it's flanked by two large paintings on either side. The painting on the left is a well-dressed man, and the other is a woman in a Victorian-style dress. Both bear a clear resemblance to Donahue. The man, however, he looks familiar. I know I have seen him, or that painting, somewhere. But I just can't place it. The mural itself isn't painted. It's carved into some kind of dark wood. The wear of the varnish makes it near indistinguishable to commonly used types. That alone tells me it's old. Either way, the imagery is a complex pattern of swirls and shapes that eventually collapse in on themselves and create what would appear to be a family coat of arms. Donahue said there wasn't anything special about this house, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have Greg take a look at that mural. I have a this odd gut feeling about it. Uh, that's enough for now. Okay, so I wanted on record that I found this before anyone else. Oh, uh, right. This thing doesn't obviously do video, so time to talk. Ahem. Okay, so this bedroom is amazing. The bed is 
huge, like three times bigger than mine. It has its own bathroom with a shower and a pretty big tub. Also, this room has a couch, a pretty small table, and probably the biggest TV I've ever seen. Also, also, the door leads out into a balcony. Oh, and a chandelier. Okay, this is definitely my room. If I'm being honest, though, literally any of the bedrooms would be good. All of them are just as cool in different ways. I'm not sure which one is Mr. Donahue's. All of them have these walk-in closets that are filled with what you'd expect Mr. Donahue to wear. So, maybe he sleeps in a different room every night? Now that I think about it, it kind of feels lonely. This place is so big and has so many cool things, but if I had to stay here on every night by myself? Hmm. I should really check on Mr. Donahue. I mean food. Tacos. I am really hungry. How do I get to the first floor? Wait, before you go on, I just want to get this on tape. Donahue. You were saying something about how impressed you were with my little home away from home? I was saying that the organization systems in every study were impressive. Boo. That would be my father's doing, I'm afraid. He was a bit anal retentive. Really? That's it? Nothing else. I put a lot of work into this remodel. I think it's cool. Thank you, Eli. Mr. Gray? H. Gray. Thoughts? Thoughts? Um, my biggest thought is that they should have included more taco sauce in the bag. Yeah, I usually find my food under the packets of sauce. I didn't notice. I don't really like sauce. <sighs> That's very... you... Did you find a room to store the files? I did. One of the offices. If that's alright. Uh, the one with the fireplace? Have at it. Speaking of the files, what's the plan? Are we just going to, uh, go about business as usual? No, I, I mean, yes. Kind of. For the sake of argument, say that Dr. Olin is missing. He is. He is. Right. Either way, I don't think Clear Minds is... Ignorant of what he was up to. Whatever that is. He helped people! So, what are you proposing, Charles? That we keep up appearances. I send the usual updates and the recordings like I usually do. I omit my report about the halls and recent developments. Moving forward, everyone should carry two recorders. Make sure you mark them. Wait, why? One will be for reading files. These tapes will be sent to clear minds as usual. So, please keep them on topic. They need to think we are still at the office, and nothing has changed. Lying? Charles, I am aghast. No, it's misleading. The other recorder will be for our personal conversations and investigation. D does that mean... Yes, I'm on board. Let's find Olin. About time. You mean it? Not to rain on this parade, but where would we even start? Hmm. We have his files. Uh, most of them, anyway. I don't think we'll get back the boxes I gave to the police. Luckily, those are the ones we already made audio logs of. Fair point. It may take a while. More reading? How is that any different than what we've been doing? The difference is, is that I'm helping. My specialty is making sense of notes and research that isn't finished or has missing parts. I'm pretty much a paper trail detective. Well, I'm an actual detective. No offense, Talbot, but Eli is right. 
Even with you, this could take a very long time. <sighs> Suggestions? Olin, he's made many friends and enemies in the city. It's about time we start paying them a visit. And you haven't already done this? Why exactly? It's dangerous. Too dangerous to do it alone. I wasn't planning on lone wolfing this or bringing Eli into the line of fire. I can take care of myself. That I do not doubt, little one. You and Talbot survived the police. In their own den, no less. I could use either of you in the field, honestly. I won't lie. I can't guarantee your safety. If we do this, you are paying for any damages to my clothes. With what money? And you don't need- We can figure that out later. For now, we need to keep up appearances, which means... We read another file. We gotta walk all the way to the boxes? I'm so full. No need. I brought one. Of course. You brought a file to dinner. Don't worry, I'll read it. According to the task chart, I was supposed to read one before that whole shadow monster thing. Caliban! Uh, we're still going by that? Of course. I'll have to update them, but... Donahue, turn that off. Uh, we'll use mine. Oh, right. Dr. Charles Talbot, recording for Clear Minds, Inc., Outpatient Therapy Division, Internal Records. The date is August 21st, 2022. That is currently late. With me, I have Dr. Lucian Donahue, Eli, and H. Gray. Let's see what we got. All right. Patient name, Marcus Burke. Transcript as follows. Hi, Dr. Olin. Um, can you hear me? Okay, sorry, I'm still not used to using Zoom. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, also, sorry, I know my camera isn't on. I prefer to keep it off, if that's okay. <clears throat> my name is Marcus Burke. I don't usually talk to doctors, or people, really. But I guess I don't really have a choice anymore. I'm trying I've always been a bit of a shut-in. I hate people in socializing. It's exhausting and stressful. I'm much happier at home. Sometimes I think about going out, but after spotting someone through my window, walking down the sidewalk, I feel nauseated and just stay put, closing my blinds. I hate passing by people and having to greet them, or, or worse, make small talk. It feels like drowning. Actually, I would rather drown. I hate that disgusting feeling of people looking at me. E even just a quick glance, it's awful. I used to try leaving some of my windows open. That way I could at least get some fresh air into my house-sized fortress. But then I would hear people's conversations. The neighbors exchanging pleasantries, or kids playing out on the street on their bikes. That once fresh breeze became suffocating, so I shut all the windows. I covered them up. And all those people, all those eyes looking at me, all those ears listening to me, I never felt safe. So I stayed inside. I've been working from home for years now, so it's been pretty easy to maintain that lifestyle. I'm a, a translator, mainly. I translate important documents, websites, subtitles, transcripts, you name it. 
I am fluent in Spanish, French, and German. It's pretty ironic, isn't it? Specializing in languages. That thing that people use to communicate, and at worst, socialize. Then when COVID hit, everything became a lot more accessible from home. So instead of ordering fast food all the time, I could order real food and other necessities for a change. And could request my orders to be left at the door, so I could avoid any interactions. Before, I would have to wait till the middle of the night to go to my local 24-hour convenience store. But half the time, I couldn't even do that. I just went without basic needs for a while until I was truly desperate. Everyone else in the world seemed to go crazy and slip into despair and quarantine, but nothing changed for me. If anything, my life got a little bit better. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, I had a pretty average childhood, I think. Uh, nothing really significant happened. I'm an only child. My mom worked at a diner, and my dad died when I was two. I, I guess that's significant, but I was two, so I never really knew him. He was gone before I could build any real memories with him. Um, it, of course, uh, affected my mom, though. She did what I do, or rather, I, I think I do what she did. <laughs> she threw herself into her work to keep her mind busy. The diner didn't pay a whole lot, but it was enough for us to live and enjoy a few luxuries here and there. That and Dad's life insurance policy, I guess. But I was home alone a lot. We lived in the suburbs, almost identical to where I live now, I guess. It was a safe area. She trusted me alone, and she always told me what phone numbers to call for emergencies. Plus, I knew the diner's number and the neighbor's. I rarely called anyone, though. Even as a kid, I did well by myself. I got bullied a lot. I, I mean, but who hasn't, right? I was always small for my age. Scrawny, quiet, and kept to myself. I got good grades, usually. So, I just stuck out amongst the rest. Guys twice my size would corner me in the bathroom to beat me up, or otherwise just bully me. The girls would laugh and mock me for being different. Dumber kids ridiculed me for being smarter than them. When I was older and school shootings became a bit more of a regular problem, um, the other kids began to accuse me of being a future shooter. I... Never dressed in dark clothes or showed any anger, but since I was the quiet kid and I kept to himself, I guess I just came off as that type. I just liked being alone. There was no one there worth talking to, and I'm naturally kind of emotionless on the outside, at least publicly, Um, I think. I don't know how to express my feelings easily. I just kind of keep them inside. The other kids who beat me up now... Those guys I could see being school shooters, or at the very least, I expected to see them in the news or something, but to my surprise, none of them turned out that way. They probably think I died when we became adults, honestly. I've basically disappeared from the outside world anyway. I don't know any of my neighbors. I used to leave in the dead of the night. I think I kind of became a vampire. Um... A very boring one, though, like, uh, as if a vampire disguised themselves as, like, a middle school teacher or something. Oh, not, like, an actual vampire. Uh, those obviously aren't real. More of... I'm more of a hermit. But 
yeah. <clears throat> I don't mind being alone all the time, though. I love being inside, away from everyone. It's better, it's safer, it's comfortable, it's familiar, and most importantly, it's a staple. Oh, I'm kind of talking in circles, aren't I? So, the reason I really want to talk to you is, well, uh, something changed about my kingdom of solitude. I know it will sound insane. I will sound insane. But I swear, I'm telling the truth. I'm not just some lunatic raving about some psychotic fairy tale. I'm not crazy. My house has an infestation. No, I don't mean like rats or roaches or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's... It's... Eyes? My house is infested with eyes. I know what you're thinking. Just listen to me, please. I went to the kitchen to find something for breakfast. Usually I grab some frozen pizza rolls or a granola bar or something. I'm not really into cooking anything, but when I went to the fridge, I noticed a lump on the wall beside it. I thought it was caused by some water damage, so I shrugged it off, grabbed my easy food, and went back to my office to start work. The next day, I noticed the lump on the wall again, and this time there was something weird on it. It at first looked like a centipede or something, but when I took a closer look, it... It, it opened? No, it blinked, and there it was. An eye. A damn eyeball. It was slimy, and it was staring directly at me. I fell back and forth. I swear I was going to pass out. It wouldn't stop staring at me. What did I do? Well, I stood up and watched it as it followed my every move. After a long moment, I rummaged around my drawers and retrieved a knife. <laughs> what else could I do? I thought I could kill it like a bug, but it didn't even react. It just blinked like the knife was just an eyelash that was irritating it. I panicked and pulled the knife back out, hoping that that would really do some kind of damage. When it was removed, there was no wound, no gash, no... nothing. I ran to my room. I didn't come out for the rest of the day and just threw myself into work as a distraction. I tried to just go about things as usual. As the days went by, I spotted more and more eyes protruding from the walls. I started covering them up with anything I had lying around. I just couldn't let them look at me. It never worked, though. They'd always break through anything I used, somehow. Soon enough, they had covered most of the main floors, walls, and began creeping into other rooms and upstairs. Then one morning, when I couldn't sleep, I went to try to go to the bathroom, hoping to ignore them long enough to, um, relieve myself. But, uh, before I made it past the doorway, I stepped on something squishy and slimy. My whole body shuddered and I jumped back. They were on the floors. They were covering every inch of the place. I couldn't escape them. More days passed and I was finding them on my furniture. I couldn't sit anywhere without feeling their lashes brush against my flesh or the squish of their jelly-like surfaces. The worst clusters were on the doors. Well, the front doors, the back doors, the windows. Whatever instincts I had to leave my house were long since buried somewhere deep down inside of me. 
as if I didn't already dread the idea of the neighbors or strangers or anyone seeing me, I just couldn't bring myself to leave. The doorknob had long since been replaced with one of those things. They never seemed bothered by anything that would normally hurt a human eye. And trust me, I tried everything. I knew my knife wouldn't do anything, no matter what I tried. They were just unfazed. Red-hot iron poker from the fireplace? Nothing. Spray bottles of house cleaners? Still nothing. Hammer? No effect. The only safe place left was my bedroom. For some reason, they didn't sprout there. I moved what I could into that room. My work computer and files, my microwave. I even managed to drag my fridge in there. Somehow. I never had to leave. I hung a basket from my window. It wasn't big enough for me to squeeze through, but I attached the basket to a rope. With that, anytime I ordered food or groceries, I would leave instructions to put some items in the container. It worked most of the time. You're always going to get a few people who don't follow the directions. Only thing missing was a toilet and a shower. I didn't shower much, though even before all the eyes. I was honestly ready to just order a bucket online and dump out the waste from my other window like some medieval peasant. Something about doing that seemed like... It might sound weird, but I felt like if I did that, then the eyes would win? I know, it's, it's silly, and a weird line to draw. I... I just couldn't do that. No, so, as gross as it sounds, my waste stayed in my room. Um, scented Ziploc bags wrapped no less than three times in plastic wrap, and neatly stacked in my closet. But even my brief moment of solitude soon ended, yet again. I woke up and found an eyeball gazing at me, mere inches from my face. They finally made it into my bedroom. They were practically pouring from under my doorframe like a pool of slime. They made their way onto my bed. Before that, there had always been some odd protrusion from a wall or some object. This time, they were an amorphous blob made up of dozens of eyes. My last slice of safety. Gone. I leapt off my bed in a heartbeat, trying to catch my breath as we stared at each other. I couldn't take it anymore. What do you want from me? Why are you here? Just leave me alone. I was shaking and sobbing and wishing I could just disappear. Then I heard something. Whispering. They were whispering. Give us what we want. You know what we want. I frantically fled to my closet and hid there for days. I think... It was really dark in there, and I, I don't really know how much time passed, but it felt like days. I took a shirt off of a wire hanger, I blocked my ears with torn shreds of it, and used the remainder of the torn cloth to plug my nose. I held onto the wire hanger, reshaping it into a makeshift weapon. I knew they'd make their way inside eventually, but it was the only space untouched by them. I could still hear them. I felt something on my skin. My arm, it was itchy and painful, like a nasty mosquito bite or a poison ivy rash. 
I couldn't see in the darkness of my closet, so I felt around the area on my arm to inspect it, and I felt that horrible, slimy sensation. Not only did they finally get in, but they invaded my very body. I, the only thing I had left. I screamed and tried to claw it out of my arm, but it wouldn't budge. I bolted out of my closet, falling into a sea of eyeballs that formed on the entirety of my bedroom floor. In my panic, the wire hanger must have ruptured a few bags of waste, spilling their contents into an already grotesque ocean. I couldn't help myself but to scream again, gagging between breaths, but I had to get out of that room. So I scrambled through the lumpy, hideous void of eyes and filth. I tried to ignore their shrill whispers and endless stares. I don't know how I managed to find my way, though. My home was unrecognizable. But I somehow found the kitchen, and I felt more of those things bulging out of my flesh. I dug through the mounds of eyes to find a knife, my wire hanger long since discarded. I found one, possibly the same one I used to stab the very first eye I saw. The knife couldn't affect them, but it could affect me. I resolved myself to cut them out. Every last one. They wouldn't stop shrieking at me, demanding me to give them what they wanted. As I was gushing with blood, shivering from the crippling pain and unimaginable stress, I finally figured out what they wanted. I couldn't explain how exactly, I just knew. So I took the knife in my hand and brought it to the only pair of eyes on my body I had yet to carve out. I can't see you, Doc. But I can still feel your judgmental, analytical gaze. I don't care what you're thinking. I don't care if what I did was irrational to you. I did what I had to. I needed to know if anything would change. I needed to know if they would finally leave. If they were finally satisfied. It was worth it regardless, I reasoned. If it worked, then I won. If it didn't, then it could make living a little more bearable. <clears throat> when I did finally regain consciousness, despite being in a state of shock and confusion, I immediately noticed something else. My floor. I could feel it. The cold, smooth tiles of my kitchen floor. There were no slimy, gushy eyes piled up all around me. I should have died. I dug my own eyes out of their sockets, but when I brought my hands to where my eyes used to be, it was like I had them surgically removed. Smooth pits of flesh, not even a drop of blood, dried or otherwise. Nothing. It was terrifying, though, waking up to realize I was now permanently blind. But at the same time, I didn't care. I was free. What was especially strange, though, was that it wasn't just my eyes. I wasn't covered in any blood. All of my gashes and wounds were closed, just faint bumps of scars. I don't know how long I was unconscious for. Once I could stand up, I started to feel around the place. Touching my countertops and walls, I just felt wallpaper, wood, ceramic, all of the original surface textures. 
I didn't even care that I was blind. I'd make it work. I was just relieved to have my solitude back. I was hoping my newfound blindness would actually help me enjoy being outside for once, and maybe even be near people. But much later, I tried to go to the convenience store again. When I stepped inside the store, I could hear mothers whisper to their kids not to point or approach me. I could hear the cashier's voice, his judgment and disgust. As soon as I paid, I hurried home. As fast as a blind person could, anyway. Being back inside was the greatest feeling afterwards, and I knew it was best to just stay there as always. It's safe, it's familiar, it's private. However, this is why I had to contact you, Doctor. The other day, I was getting up in the morning, and I felt my bedroom wall to reach my door. Like I do every day. I felt it again. A slimy, jelly-like eye, and I heard it whisper to me like before. We want more. Find us more. That is where it ends. Attached is a news report. A blind man, whose name is redacted, apparently went on a killing spree. How? Fascinating. My best guess is he used his disability to lure people back to his place. Catch them off guard, or perhaps offered them food with some sort of poison or sedative. After the murder and removal of the eyes, he could use his tub to dispose of the body. Probably use some sort of homemade acid... Would a base be better? What? Why are you looking at me like that? I'm a P.I. Hmm. Uh, well, whatever he did, he had a solid routine. He killed 17 people before being caught. Oof, uh... His victims all had their eyes scooped out. Each crime scene, he left up badly written note, apologizing and claiming that he had to. Donahue, you specialize in psychotic breaks. Theories? <clears throat> um, yes, of course. Well, judging from this transcript, his psychological issues have been building for years, most likely starting from early childhood. It's sad, but a classic textbook case. Loss of a parent mired by tragedy, busy mother, introverted personality, Abused at school, isolated adulthood, fear of being judged mixed with paranoia, do I really need to go on? These things don't always break a person, but absolutely can. Good thing none of that was real. Living eyeballs? Crazy. No way that could ever happen. Right? Uh, uh yeah. <clears throat> we should call it here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for staying late. Of course, Charles. No problem. I don't mind staying late at the office. It's usually what we always do. Uh-huh. This episode is a Dark Papers Entertainment production. Showrunners for this episode were Christopher George and Dalton Lewis. This episode was written by Christopher George. 
Script editing was done by Dalton Lewis. Dr. Charles Talbot was voiced by Christopher George. Lucian Donahue was voiced by Dakota Hamlin. H. Gray was voiced by Michael Williams. Eli was voiced by Dalton Lewis. Chris here. I know it's been said already, but thank you guys. Truly. Please come follow us on our socials to keep up to date with everything Patient Files. Make sure to leave us stars, rate, and review us. Join our Patreon and enjoy some rewards while you're there. You can get access to episodes early, see our episode scripts, and of course, follow along H. Gray's origin story in a miniseries. And, uh, between you and me, right now we have a free 7-day trial going on. It'll be our little secret. Links in the description. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane.